Philadelphia. My name is Dave DiOrio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who always pose after their game-winning buckets. What's up, Chuck and Gene? <laughs> uh, I like that one. And I would pose if I've ever made a bucket in my life. What would, be, your go- what would be like your go-to pose? Uh, shock, like, really. But, oh, okay. <laughs> um, it, honestly, when I've ever... Like the Macaulay Culkin, like hands on the cheeks, like (laughs) I'm shocked I made that. If I if I won a game, if I had a game winning basket, then yes. But honestly, um, the puffed out chest, arms back. I don't know if it's like fight me or Messiah, whatever it is. But the arms back, chest out. Yeah, nipples first. Nipples first. (laughs) Lead with the nipples. That is my go to. You know, strut. Um, and speaking of me, I'm Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And I'm Gene Zilak. You can find me at Producer Gene on Twitter. And uh, basically, all weekend, every time I've done everything, like when I would finish a load of laundry, I would immediately drop into the Jimmy Butler pose and close the dryer. Um, or like if I did some dishes, immediately drop into the Jimmy Butler pose until somebody would come in and be like, great job. Uh, and then I would break the pose. <laughs> That's pretty much how I entered every meeting at work on Thursday. I just ran in and did the Jimmy Butler like ninja pose. That that quickly became an iconic moment in you know, definitely this season. I, I think that has legs. I think we'll be seeing that shown, you know, in the future about the story of this Sixers team and the the process. I would have paid money to see it last night though. Oh god. Yeah. So the Sixers uh, this week, I mean, it was really a, a tale of two games. I mean, we had the, the I don't know what you want to call it, like the euphoric um, basketball gasm that was uh, Wednesday night. I think we have a show title. <laughs> I, and at the same time i was like really going for basketball gasm like nope putting it down set in stone <laughs> yep oh you had basketball gasm also uh queued up no no <laughs> I, I didn't think so i didn't think so but then the inevitable uh letdown of the hawks game did that so su- did that surprise you at all that they came out completely like you know slash tire flat in that game no, that that team um, kind of has our number a little bit. I kind of feel like them and it's teams like that, like like Brooklyn, Brooklyn yeah. um, kind of has our number. Teams so, with good guards. Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly freaking out about it. I mean, I'm I would much rather trade the Celtics win for a win over the Hawks. I mean, not that the two are mutually exclusive or anything like that, but. Um, we get another. Yeah, I'm not shot totally at, shocked. We get another shot at the Hawks like next week too. And who's the coach of the Hawks? Because weren't wasn't he a former assistant for Brett? Yeah, I think he's on that tree. I can't remember the guy's name at the moment. And yeah, so there I, I, there may be some familiarity issues there that Brett needs to change up some of his tendencies a little bit against yeah. that. I'm not I'm not really sure, but yeah, I feel like we're working backwards. So before we, you know, let's just get this Hawks thing out of the way, and then we'll go back and talk about how great the Celtics game was sure sure Um, let's eat the vegetables first exactly my 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 gripe with last night's game was and and really just like cut to the end because there was a certain amount of going through 
this you know once we got into the second half that I kind of was like you know what this is the kind of game that like good teams look really bad and then somehow find a way to pull it out and there was a certain amount of as I'm watching the game where I was like as they were getting you know cutting it close and then they ended this third quarter tied I was like you know what this is the kind of thing where yeah we're going to look bad but since we're such you know, since we're now a good team, this you know this is the kind of thing that like Golden State closes these kind of games out, and in the end, still counts as just like any of the other wins. But there was for some reason with the Sixers, they could not get out of their own way yesterday. Uh, they 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 didn't have a ton of turnovers. Actually, a shockingly you know when they when I actually saw the stats, how few turnovers they had last night. But their turnovers were at the absolute worst possible times after. Yeah, and in Bead's last two. Um, we're just really yucky. Right. And my, I guess my biggest gripe is their last possession or, or what would be near the, their second to last possession. Cause technically in that point one second, you know, that tip in was a possession, but I don't understand how you, you get into that last possession They they put Jimmy Butler on ISO and how they, they, they don't even get a shot off. Um, I, I just, I just don't, I can't, I can't fathom how, how that happens, and maybe my bigger, the bigger problem, maybe going forward, is I think everybody knows what we want to try to do. You know, when we have that last shot at this point, so I think now's the time to put it on tape, Brett. That like we do have other things other than here you go, Jimmy Butler, win the game for us. Like there has to be something else in his bag of how we can win a game. Maybe it's not well, here, Ben Simmons win the game, but like JJ Redick, maybe. Well, since we're since we're covering the Sixers uh, memento style and going backwards here, uh, <laughs> Butler did say after the Celtics game when they talked about his uh, game winning shot, that could have been anybody on the team. I mean, it really could have. There's no you don't need to just give the ball to Jimmy and go, OK, create your own shot. But do and, you trust anybody for- else on the team to do that? Because I, I, I have a hard time thinking like, in that position, We, you know, since Jimmy Butler's been – maybe Tobias could do it. Like, to be able to to, to play as well in isolation the way that – because Ben Simmons could, could probably do it, but Ben Simmons can't shoot from outside of, like, 20 yeah, feet. Yeah, but I kind of want the ball in Ben's hand to make the decision of where to distribute it. I mean, you cannot smother – Embiid, Butler, Harris, and Redick all at once. No, you can't, which is why I don't understand why their strategy the last two weeks has been just and it's been not even just like the last possession of games like the last four minutes of games every it's it's you know inbound to ben ben passes it to jimmy and everybody goes you know you know gives him space to be an iso that just seems like that's their strategy well gene i want to jump in on on that there because you had mentioned early in this like you know, isn't it time we show people that it's going to go to Butler to end the game? Isn't it past time? Like, how much? How many games are left in the season? How much time is left? Like, like is there anything we can like put on games. tape at this point? I mean, there's like ten games left, I think. Um, and so, I mean, if, if you end eight of those ten games with someone other than Jimmy Butler taking the last shot. Does it really change people's opinion, or are they going to be looking for Butler in the clutch anyway? Well, maybe. I mean, I don't think the move is to get people to think it's going to be somebody else and then actually wind up giving it to Jimmy anyway. I, I mean, the place where I'm coming from is let your point guard make the best decision. You know who, because you know you're not going to know. You don't know what defense they're going to they're going to call up. They're not going to know who you're not going to know who they're going to want to key in on right. until it's actually starting to 
develop. And by that time, you only have seconds left in the game anyway. And I mean, in that situation, I want Ben Simmons to have the ball. And like you were saying, they can't key in on we have too much when we get into those situations when we've got our five starters on the, on the floor. There is too much offensive talent to just put three guys on Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? You can't just smother him. So, you know, maybe I, I, I really do feel like there, there has to be some opportunities where because I feel like Tobias Harris is the same kind of guy that could create his own shot. And I trust him to be able to hit a jump shot if we need him to. And, and a game against the Hawks is a place where it might not be a bad place to to throw a, something that's not Jimmy in isolation, which has worked. It's not that it's, it's, it's uh, you know, a failure. And it's certainly what we needed last year in the playoffs against the Celtics. We just needed somebody that was confident closing. Uh, so... And I'm actually, like, I'm not all heartbroken about this loss. I mean, you did just come off a week where you beat three of the other top four teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so, you know, maybe, hey, maybe they were smelling themselves a little bit and it's a little reality check time that you got to bear down because none of these teams are going to be, are going to give you anything. And uh Trey Young is pretty good at basketball. Do you think that they just were mentally spent? Do you think that beating yeah, the Bucs and beating the Celtics and playing in games that have literally ha- like playoff atmosphere to go into Atlanta, which is I can't imagine has got that same kind of vibe against I think their starters are three rookies. Do they start? They start at least two. They might start three rookies against you. So, you know, there probably was a certain amount of like this is a game we don't have to be laser focused. And I think yeah. I actually heard either Tobias or Jimmy say after the game, like we we weren't as focused as we 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 were in those other games, but we're realizing that it's the NBA and you have to be laser focused every night because these guys are collecting a check the same way you are. Yeah, and you're you know, you got that baby face ginger who uh, always seems to torch us. God, yeah, he there's just something annoying about that dude. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's move on to the Celtics because this is much, much more fun. Right. All right. So uh, before the game, the uh, Terry Rozier comes out and calls uh, Joel Embiid lame. Lame. Yes. Chuck, do you find Joel Embiid to be lame? No, I find Joel Embiid to be funny, charming and cool. <laughs> A little disrespectful. I mean, the guy's the MVP candidate. Of all the things to call him, I feel like lame just doesn't really – you could call him, like, egotistical. You could call him arrogant. You could call him uh, a showboat, maybe, you know, if you were, were someone who doesn't like Joel Embiid. Um, you could call him a, a mouthy, but you can't call him lame. There's just – there's no evidence that he's lame. Wait, was it a literal reference to, like, leg problems? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like, that that might have – you know some some uh credibility or or maybe calling his trash talk corny but i don't know the dude just exudes confidence and trash talks so damn well like uh, lame is is not a good insult of him he's yeah, like the that... samuel jackson of smack talk <laughs> <laughs> and then keeping with the rosier uh theme here after the game he said he thought confetti was going to come down from the raft, the rafters, because we were so uh, so exuberant for beating the Celtics. It was there were so much like whiny Celtics fans that were trying to make this to diminish the the importance of this win. Um, 
which I don't think that Celtics fans quite understand that this this wasn't so much about putting a W in the standings. This was about squashing a like a monkey on our back. This was about like getting that shaking that whole you know you can't beat this team vibe and just getting it excised. That was so much more important psychologically than what it did in the standings. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's and it may be like the way a Dallas fan perceives like the rivalry, you know, one of those situations where, you know, if you ask an Eagle fan, like we on a scale one to ten, how much you hate Dallas and you ask a Dallas fan who lives in Texas, how much do you hate? (laughs) You know, I got to qualify that. Uh, how much do you hate the Eagles? It, it probably wouldn't be uh, an apples to apples comparison. So I don't know that the Celtics think about how much they hate the Sixers. Or, but f- or, for the or, amount or, of jawing that Celtics fan did this week, and and you know some of the more ho- high profile Celtics fans did this week, my feeling is, if anything, the the psychology has kind of reversed. We are now as much in their head as they are in in ours. I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, they went three and one against us this year, right? But they were acting like, Ooh, like, like I get that we were excited, but they went. It was days that they kept being like, "Won't the Why don't the Sixers just get over it? Won't the Sixers just get over it?" I I hate the Celtics. I mean, I, like, I fucking hate the goddamn Celtics. And I sent out a tweet like, I, "It's if you like the Celtics, I cannot." I cannot tolerate you. And if you and now I'm at the point where if you don't also actively hate the Celtics, I'm not sure that I can I can handle you anyway. in, an, in a, like in a basketball conversation sense, they're they're the worst. They because that team is so unlikable. So to have to listen to people try to defend the ridiculous excuse of a of a team that they are there, they, they don't look like they're having any fun watching that team looks they look like they're all miserable. They're like the definition of a bunch of miserable millionaires that are in there trying to to to, to cash a check. You don't want them to win because they're not going to like it. They're not going to enjoy who's it. The Celtic, who's the Celtic you hate the least? The Celtic I hate the least? Yeah. For uh, me, it's Kyrie. Well, I I feel like they're worse with Kyrie, so that, that kind of holds water. I, I don't actively, and this is going to maybe not make a lot of sense, I don't actively hate Al Horford as much as the others. Because oh, I can't stand Al Horford. I, I, I kind of respect his game. Like he 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 plays the game that he plays. You know what I mean? The other ones, I can't stand Rozier. I can't stand yeah. Marcus Smart. Yeah. I hate Jason Tatum for all that he represents in terms of the fact that from that draft, first of all, and then on top of the fact that yeah. he's so one-dimensional and everybody like sweats his jock. But so so you know, Al Horford's probably like 6th or 7th on the list. Kyrie's not even going to be there probably next year. What about uh, what about Man Bun from last year? Oh God, Man Bun. Yeah, no, I'm glad What's he's his not name? there. Baines. Baines. Yeah, he yeah. was another one that was just. Little... But Mark is smart. Oh, maybe we should talk about that whole nonsense here in a minute. Yeah, let's talk about it now. So, I mean, I don't think we win the game if Marcus Smart doesn't shove Joel in the back. So, how did you feel about that whole sequence? Shot. Do you think that Joel was? within his rights to kind of because he dips the shoulder a little bit there's a little, get a little bit. chicken wing right get a little chicken wing out right. there but marcus smart okay. absolutely completely loses his cool his definition and of overreaction definition of overreaction and yeah. absolutely lit a fire under joel 
And, yeah, because and, he went to go what, score the eight, the next eight points. The in next the game eight points, period. yeah, and basically it, it explode in the third third quarter, and basically it lit a fire under the whole team. Well, they, it lit a fire in the in the in the arena. Oh I yeah, think. the, the fans just yeah, exploded. The, the arena went crazy, but in this feel it felt like one of those moments that like in a rivalry that you know in years back you'll you'll go back and be like that's when things. That's when things started to change. That's when things started to turn around. Did you uh, did you see the the image of Marcus Smart pushing Joel? Like, the, it's weird because the the picture looks like a I don't know a real lackadaisical face on Smart and Embiid's like oh right have you yeah, seen yeah, this yeah. I have seen it yeah and it's, it's a, a weird very, picture it's got right? a very it's at a very good angle <laughs> I don't like I don't know where that guy was positioned to get that angle. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, Google it. Check it out. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, but I, again, I don't think – and it's kind of disconcerting because I don't think that we would have won the game if that didn't happen. Not because of Marcus Smart's, like, great a great player or anything, but um, for what it did, like, psychologically or emotionally or whatever. So does this make you – your your anticipation or your excitement for a potential matchup with the, no. with the Celtics, is it higher, lower, or about the same as it was going into this game? No, I don't want to play the Celtics at all. I still don't want to play them. I don't want one part of that team. You would just rather, what's would that? You, you would just rather them be dismissed or uh, be uh, be destroyed I, by some other squad and just out of the way. Either that, or please go ahead and take care of the Bucks for us if you can. Well, and then we'll deal with you in the Eastern Conference. And in, and if we play them in the Eastern Conference Finals, all this shit is going to be cranked up to eleven. Right, right. It's going to be epic. Yeah, but I mean, I am looking. I am so looking forward to the playoffs overall. Period. Yeah, no, there's going to be some really good matchups. Especially I honestly, in if everything stays the way, if everything stays the way it is, the Raptors are going to have their hands full with the Nets. That's right. not going to be a gimme series. No, and I don't think the Bucks can walk over. Who would they end up getting? Miami. Uh, Miami. Yeah, I don't think the the Bucks walk over them, well. especially because you know I think the Bucks will will, will come out of that, but. I don't think that of the there's no gimmies in the eight teams of the of the East at this point. Well, I think our matchup against the Pistons, we're gonna we're gonna be fine. Well, we we have real estate in Andre Drummond's head, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. a condo like right in his uh, cerebellum that's got Joel and Pete's. So long as we don't give it. up any more fifty point games to Blake, uh, we should be we should be in good shape. Yeah, no, I would, but I'm. The 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 playoffs need to start like Monday. Like I'm I'm ready to go. Right. I mean I'm yeah. I because I don't uh, see a lot of stuff changing. Yeah. So how happy now, seeing the way that the season is mostly played out? How happy now in hindsight are you that LeBron James is not a Sixer? Oh my God, so happy. Like I, I don't really have anything else to say. It's if just, you had told me, mess. if you had told me in the summer that I would be, you know, going into the playoffs this year, I would be excited and happy that LeBron James was not on on my team. I I would have called you a liar. But I, I'm really happy and excited that he is in purgatory as of L.A. I, I saw some weird, some weird stuff. Like the, um, the there was some like a, an Instagram thing that said that the last time that LeBron James wasn't in the in the playoffs, eighty three percent of the league was not in the league. They they were all in, uh, and uh, yeah, the the crazy. most interesting one was the James Harden. They had a picture of James Harden where what he was doing at the time, and he was in high school. He was a freshman in high school. Did he, but he still had a gigantic beard, right? No, he didn't. Actually, that was actually what it said. The the last time LeBron James was in was in the playoffs, 
uh, James Harden did not have a beard, and it had a picture of him from like his freshman or sophomore year in high school. All right, Gene, can I ask, did you have the same feeling about LeBron before the Jimmy Butler trade? Because I think when Butler came here and then subsequent moves at the deadline, you know, the, the team really took that next step from we look good, we look good on paper, to, wow, this is a, a real serious contender in the East. Before the Jimmy Butler trade, did you want LeBron here? Were you still mourning the loss of LeBron? I don't know if I was still mourning the loss of LeBron. I wanted us to do, before the Jimmy Butler trade, I wanted us to do something else. I knew that we were we were not realistically going to be able to come out of the East like that. But I didn't think it was going to happen until the summer. I thought that this year was going to be like, maybe we'll take another step and, you know, try and, and lock up that four seed and get out of the you know, get out of the first round and see what happens. Um, but I will tell you, shortly after that Jimmy Butler trade, and certainly by, like, the week before the All-Star break, when things started to really break down in L.A., when you started to see how uh, how alienated LeBron was out there b- because he had just... He was it was the Anthony about, Davis saga. He, he That's was, what really He, he was talking about trading all, all, literally all of his teammates... Um, and all of his teammates know that he has the power to do that, which has got to make it impo- unpo- uh, impossible. It's got to make it impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible. Uh, it's got to make it really difficult to play on a team when you know the guy who is, you know, who's scoring 30 points for you may want you gone tomorrow. You know, it, it's it, funny because I've always been a huge like LeBron fan from a distance, you know, when he's a, a Cavalier you know, in those finals against the Warriors, I was pulling for the Cavs. I always um, kind of pull for the Eastern Conference, yeah. Yeah, you know, but I always like like LeBron for some reason. And then when the prospect came of him coming to Philly, it was like, yes, like this would really put us over the top. Like LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Yeah. The second he decided to be a Laker, it was Le- LeBron has been excommunicated from the Church of Dave. <laughs> and it was almost so much, it was like, because it ended up in the end feeling so inevitable, like the whole saga. Yeah, like boring. Right. Boring. Like this was, uh, you know, at least with the Miami thing, there was some, you know, some drama to the, you know, at the end, you know, it, it felt like it paid off. But this whole thing just felt so inevitable that the whole thing was just a, a tease, which I think is one of the reason that it felt so exhausting going through this baseball offseason because we, we we just felt like that that sense of inevitability that of course the best players in baseball or f- football or baseball or basketball are not going to want to play here because you know look at what LeBron did yeah yeah well let's move on um but we'll keep it in the basketball vein uh to the uh, NCAA tournament goodbye Villanova you are the weakest link <laughs> I did that in the wrong order <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Villanova kind of got destroyed last by night. Purdue. Yeah, I mean, this was going to be a down year for Nova anyway. You watched it, I some of the? Really... Did you watch some of the game? I was kind of locked in on the Sixers. Was it? Was it, was I, it a was game? Flipping. Was it a game at any point? No. No. Anytime it, I, I mean, looked in on it, they were down ten or more. double digits. Yeah. No, it was no. It was never a game. It was never close. They just weren't. I mean, just the disparity in the the skill sets of the players was just readily evident. So, I mean, in, in fairness, didn't didn't they just graduate three yeah, guys four, into the NBA? Four NBAers, right? Yeah. 
And all yeah. on all of their their guys that they graduate in the NBA are all competent NBA players that are all seeing significant minutes. Yeah. So um, brackets brackets pretty much busted for me. Did you have Nova going on a run? No, 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 no. I had I actually had Kansas State going uh, on a run. Are they out too? They got eliminated in the first round. Oh, for, yeah. That's yeah. That's rough. So yeah, that is rough. Um, so with them out, my bracket out, Nova out. Uh, fortunately, my wife is in first place in my office pool. Who does she have going? Oh, she's got Tennessee winning it all. Okay, so all right, and she's pretty probably, much if Tennessee wins it all, she's a lock. She's a lock, and no one needs to know that it's her bracket. Oh, so then you can just re- it's basically on there as Dave too, right? So, so you can just the only <laughs> person I submitted a couple of brackets. The only person that will will know the truth will be our our listeners, right? And well, I don't think any of them work that. for you. So yeah, there goes that. Um, so we got some coaching changes in the city um, as far as the college basketball teams are concerned. So Phil Martelli, what happened? I guess St. Joe's have been pretty irrelevant for at least the last half dozen years. So I now, guess that means you don't get to keep your job. Let me ask you guys this. Like, seriously, what do you want the man to do? I mean, wh- like, what what is your expectation as – a St. Joe's alum or a fan or whatever. What, what is your expectation of St. Joe's? I would say my, my my expectation has been at least you know occasional tournament appearances. Okay, and they do that right. They're, they're the A10 yeah. champ uh, every now and again. I mean, and that's kind of like where my bar is set for them. So, you know. I don't know what their record has been, but they've been kind of off the radar. And I don't know if it's pressure because you are in the same general location as a perennial tournament team like Temple and a uh, four-time or three-time national champion of Villanova and two of the last three in Villanova. So I don't know if that puts added pressure on you to perform. It it doesn't seem to have any effect on, like, LaSalle, but... I mean, LaSalle's not in the same caliber i mean they're they're a philly area school but it was temple and st joe's were the big two and then villanova hung around there and then uh penn once in a blue moon but i don't know i expect you know based off the the competition in city you know it's not like they're the only game in town there's a lot of great basketball schools here I expected St. Joe's to do pretty much what they did. They were if about... you're a if you're a basketball prospect in the city of Philadelphia and you can't and you're not being recruited by Villanova, where would you like to attend school? What, what school would you like to play for? And and that's the question. And why is the answer not St. Joe's? I feel like it doesn't I, I carry know. the same cachet. I feel like Temple has a different kind of it. It just carries a, some more weight and. Maybe that's the the bias that I've developed because I, I just better conference was surrounded by Temple alum and yeah I feel like you you do get a lot more exposure playing that conference. Um, the Accor Center. Where does St. Joe's play? Just on Hawk Hill? Yeah, do they just have like, a they have just have a place on campus. Maybe give the guy a more attractive uh, venue to play in, and maybe he can recruit some players. You know, maybe I don't know. Do you feel like uh, he? Do you feel like he had kind of a aged out of, uh, you know, he wasn't connecting with this this group. Do you think that just in general college basketball is looking for, like, a younger class of coach? I'm not sure. 
you know, just I don't I obviously don't know Phil Martelli, but um, you know, from a distance, he seems like a genuinely nice person who cared about his players. And I know that that like that and a can of beans will get you, you know, whatever. But well, I know that his his players were incredibly loyal to him. If you've listened to any of his former players the last week that have been talking about him, a lot of them have just had not just nice things to say, but absolutely glowing things to say about their time playing for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he has a strong relationship with the city itself. Um, you sort of, I mean, he's basically an institution, 24 years, but just to terminate him like that. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 no, uh, no farewell year like they did for Dunphy. Yeah. I feel like that is kind of a shame. I I think that it would have been better for St. Joe's to kind of have sat him down maybe before this season. Cause I can't imagine that they got into the middle of this year and this was the first time they had a conversation about maybe, uh, moving on from, from, uh, from Phil and 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 I feel like if you had come gone to him in the summer and said hey what if we parted ways and you really took a took like a, a final bow you know he might not have been happy about it but I feel like he would have been much more open to that idea than just getting at the end of this year yeah and I know we have a new new athletic director at St. Joe's and I don't know if she's from the area or not but it certainly seems like I'm trying to make a move here and and let's shake things up. And I don't know if it's a donor request or not, but well, I don't know. It just seems like they did the guy a little dirty. Well, Temple seems like they did it. They handled a similar situation, perhaps a lot better, way because, better, because they had a coach who was also in in, a, in his own right a huge name in Philadelphia basketball, who had been with the organization, who is was the heir apparent, and uh, you know, Dumphy was able to go out kind of on you know a farewell tour. Got one last run in the tournament, even though it was like, a, you know, the, the what do they call that? The first eight or first four or whatever, you know, that was not a great Temple team by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But they still kind of went out on a high. They won their tournament, right? They won, they won that conference tournament, didn't they? Or they, uh, they, they, they got pretty deep into the conference Temple? tournament. Yeah, they got pretty deep into their conference tournament. I don't think they tournament. won the – I don't know. I didn't watch it, but – I think they had a, had a good run in their conference tournament. They 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 ended up making you know having a, a tournament game, and and Dumphy kind of goes out looking like a, the, the the grand old man of of Temple basketball that he kind of is you know, and he had to follow John Cheney and kind of establish his own brand of Temple basketball. And I think he did that. I think he had. But you I'm know, I'm always going to associate him more with Penn anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, again, extricably connected to Philadelphia college basketball for all time or whatever do you think that phil's done do you think he just goes off into the sunset he said that he will coach again i don't know if that means high school i don't know if that means college i'm not sure division two i, I have no idea allentown well, college or uh the sales university if you're looking for a coach or allentown <laughs> college of st francis the sales <laughs> university college <laughs> so i was gonna make a pitch for uh john paul ii out in wherever the state sticks it is now um because i believe phil martelli once upon a time uh, was the coach of bishop kenrick high school uh right here in narstown which oh my which, god which is where i am um, <laughs> so uh <Deep> so <laughs> all right well hey look again i always liked phil martelli I, you know at I wish him the best. There's going to certainly be a different feel next year for college basketball in Philly with Phil Martelli gone and Dumphy gone. It's going to be a whole different, you know, the era of McKee begins. Not really. It's going to be just <laughs> like are, Nova are dominating. You, are you still going to be semi-apathetic to the Big Five? <laughs> 
it's just going to be Nova and then everyone else is going to be scrambling around again, I would think, right? I don't know. The the I'm excited about for Temple. You know, the era the McKee era beginning kind of injects a little life into that for me. Okay. Good. Uh in more depressing news, Chuck uh Flyers season over, huh? Yeah. A, season over, A. Betsy. <laughs> um yeah, going off of a, inject a little life. I didn't know how you're going to make the transition. Because there's no life left in the Flyers, but you went to the Canadian uh, connection, so it's always uh, a good well to go to when we talk <laughs> hockey. It really is. <laughs> uh, like I wish I could tell you, like, oh, that's just an ugly stereotype. But I mean, it's it's a damn Canadian sport. <laughs> and why would it be an ugly stereotype? It's sort of a happy stereotype. <laughs> oh my gosh, your country is associated with a professional sport. Yeah, <laughs> but no, the Flyers are done. They are not statistically done yet, but this isn't, you know, past weeks where I said it's unlikely. It is not going to happen. They'd have to win out and effectively Montreal and Columbus would have to lose out. I mean, ultimately, though, what's not going to happen? Our ability to get into the playoffs and lose four games to the Lightning? Oh God, yeah. I mean, like, I'll let accident- someone else be that sacrificial lamb. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost a mercy to not have to go to the playoffs this year. Certainly, is yeah, not at the eight it, seed. And that second wild card, man, like it's gonna be real tough, you know. And and Montreal is not playing great. Like they're, they're they're playing well. Don't get me wrong, they're playing well, but it's not like man, Montreal's coming in super hot. Yeah, they're gonna really give Tampa a handful. No, they're going out in three. I mean, yeah. like Tampa's going to steamroll whoever ends up in that. Hold on. It's something happened card. in hockey that I don't know. It's still seven games. No, that's right. the thing is like, it's going to be so yes. bad that the, that the Canadians after oh, three, oh, okay. they're, they're just going to, they're just going to mail the, they'll just be like, no, we're good. That was an NHL. That was an NHL heat check for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was also your line, Dave. I threw it back to you. You've used that in the past. Have and I, and I just didn't know that you thought there was only a five-game series in the first round. I thought uh, you were just talking solid shit. Solid gag right there. Solid yep. gag. But, no, it's the season's done. Um, Is there anything interesting we can do in the last handful of games to say, oh, let's test out these players? Well, I think Gordon is not going to put Sam Moran in until we are statistically eliminated. I hear a so, lot of people on Twitter crying for Justin Bailey. Um, well, he, the thing with Justin Bailey is people are feeling bad for his lot in life because <laughs> he's an emergency recall. So uh, the rules with the NHL to prevent people from just out and out tanking in after the trade deadline and playing their AHL team as if they were the NHL team, you only get four recalls. The Flyers have used two already. Um, and I, I forgot on who it's really not important because I don't know if the Phantoms are making the playoffs either, but one person they did not use a recall on was Justin Bailey. So he gets called up as an emergency recall, meaning, Hey, if we don't get a body up here, we're not going to have enough people to play. Oh, so he's not yeah. playing. Well, no, he is playing. Oh, he's, okay. he's periodically in games, especially since the flu, bu- uh, the flu bug is going around the locker room. Um, which is, you know, perfect time for everybody to get sick, but that's neither here nor there anymore. But 
he's getting called up. But when the game happens, whether he plays or whether he doesn't, he gets sent right back to Allentown. <laughs> so this dude's like his easy pass is like must be warm to the touch. Like he's just going up and down the Northeast extension. Like I really hope they put him up in a place that like that Lansdale exit. I was gonna say he probably he's probably very familiar with Quaker Town. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we recommend the QFR here at Potadafia. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, go in, see the sights in Quaker Town, and gee, was that a shout out to the Quaker Town family restaurant? That was yes. Oh, wow. All right. It's the QFR at my house. All right, respect. <laughs> well, I think the Quake uh, Farmer's Market is uh, long since closed, but now we're getting a little inside baseball from the <laughs> Lehigh Valley. <laughs> so might as well get some Flacco's hot dogs and, and go on to the, the next part of the Flyers okay. discussion. Okay. Um, hey, all right, so in, in uh, continued NHL hates the Flyers news, uh, what's with the boarding no call on Couturier? I don't get where boarding is not a big deal anymore. Like boarding <laughs> just used to casually be... the cr- shove the crown of someone's head into a, a, a wooden corner. Boarding was <laughs> the penalty for a while. Like it was like the thing that people were getting suspended for. If you got called for boarding, it was going to be five minutes and then you were going to get two games. And that was just and, the way it was. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the video of this note, I mean, it is goddamn egregious. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be more like you need to send the video to say this is textbook boarding. The only thing I will say is the only people who board worse than that are Spirit Airlines. (laughs) (laughs) At least at least Katoria's luggage didn't get lost after that boarding. Yeah, to pay for every bag, too. The only thing I was going to say was it was a bit in slow motion. Like it wasn't full speed, but it was, like you said, the crown of his head into the boards. And the most dangerous boarding ones are where the guy is like falling down and just the, the top of his head, like the, you know, airy get a headache, you know, your forehead, like. Uh, yes, I was going to say there is a name for that. It is the forehead. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I've, or forehead, okay. depending on who you're speaking to. <laughs> Fine, forehead, <laughs> um, where it sort of bounces off the the actual board itself. That is that's probably the most dangerous thing. But this is probably second to it, where you're going to get, you know, you you could you know screw up your neck. You could uh, yeah, break but, a vertebrae. You could. But more you could, importantly, why wasn't it called? I don't know. I don't know how you don't even call a minor. Like, just on optics alone, that looked horrible. And Voracek gets two games for dropping his shoulder. Yeah. Oh, my God. After Giroux was run, Giroux more in that textbook boarding of where the top of his head, his forehead, apparently. Like, I'm treating that no, like that, a I new mean, word it, I well, learned. When you say top of the head, I'm thinking like yeah, the, like crown. the crown. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I when I say top of the head, I mean forehead. You mean top but, of your face. <laughs> so, <laughs> the top of Giroud's face. Um, and I forget who it was, but it was, you know, a, a few games before the the Voracek. Or, God, it might have been the very game beforehand. And he goes head first, you know, face first into the boards. 
no penalty. Dude, boarding used to be an automatic penalty. I don't know what happened. I don't know. It's not any safer. It used to be a major. Like, I remember them calling five minutes for boarding. And it still is, but... It just isn't called the way it was. It's just not called No, it really isn't. And for other things where the head is the primary point of contact, I guess it doesn't matter if it's, you know, the primary point of contact and not the other dude's body. Yeah, yeah, it's the wall. It's totally cool. Yeah, you can drive his head into the wall, but it's like he didn't throw a shoulder or an elbow. So I don't think the league hates the Flyers. I just think there's a real problem with officiating right now. And I'm not one to complain about officiating, but the NHL used to have really good officiating. I always thought that the NHL actually was the best of the four major sports, honestly. Because I feel like they've got maybe the hardest job. Yeah. And the management aspect of it like where there are arbitrary calls of you know the makeup penalty yo here comes the makeup penalty and oh tonight they're letting them play but when you're watching at home and you get the vibe of the game you know the players do too so they know how to play and that those ugly boarding hits we knew they were going to be at least two probably five and as long as everyone understands the rules and how the game's going to be called, it works out well. The goal review in Toronto was the best scoring review in any major sport. And that has gotten worse. The on-ice judgment calls have gotten worse. I don't know if it's they put in replay and everyone's afraid to do their job or they're overthinking things or just the caliber of efficient, like, has gone down, but I used to be really proud of uh, the refs and officiating in the NHL. I am no longer. So do you think that this is going to result in the players policing the game themselves a little more? No, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the policing the game themselves. Like that's gone by the wayside. Like the, the day of the goon, you know, like the, the retaliatory, the, that, that mid eighties kind of, everybody's got a guy that you know is going to go out there and, you know, his job is to make sure that the star is protected. Yeah, and I think that existed up until maybe 2007 or eight, Like right after the lockout? Right after the lockout, when the game got quicker, it just started getting phased more and more out. That's why John Scott, you know, his uh, all-star bid and that thing was such a big deal because it was like a curtain call for the enforcer. And when you don't have an enforcer, you're left with rats. You're left with the cheap shot artist. You're left with, oh, you hit my guy from behind. I'm going to hit you with the, in the face with the stick. So I don't know. I, I just think the the NHL is good about, you know, navel gazing and finding out what they're doing wrong. But I think, I think it, something needs to be done to address the officiating. I don't think the players can, you know, unless they start calling penalties, people really aren't afraid of retaliation. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. What is the, um, what is the like the progression of an NHL ref or umpire? Because I like for my money, it's always been major league umpires uh, have been kind of the cream of the crop as far as 
officiating goes, and I think it just has to do with the fact that they work like the, so many days. Well, the process, like the arduous process of even becoming a major league umpire, and but like they have their own union and like all that stuff. Like, I will tell know, like, you, maybe right now, umpires are probably the best, uh, and I feel like. For a well, long that's time. the sport I clamor for replay to just be removed from entirely. Yeah. So I would, I mean, I, by default, I would kind of be a, a charlatan if I was saying that they weren't the best. Yeah, no, and I agree, and I, sir, I, I am of the opinion that I never want replay for balls and strikes. Like, if, if there, like I have a hard line that, I, you know, it was, it, I, I'm okay with plays at the bases, I'm okay with home run calls, but by God, you have got to keep robots out of balls and strikes word um i would say ne- next would be the nhl and then like i have such distaste for nba and nfl refs i just do i think they are both equally bad for very different reasons um i think there are just problems in general with the nba game especially if you've been watching college basketball this week uh you start to notice really if you switch from watching a couple of college games and then you switch over to to an NBA game and you just see all of the flopping and and the 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 way that they 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 move the lean from, ins the on the three ins. pointers it's just, it's just so egregious it's like how did we like what is how are there not offensive call, uh, foul calls constantly and and the the complete lack of calling any kind of concept of a travel in the NBA boggles my mind um and it's it just it's frustrating to watch the way the NBA is officiated uh, and then the NFL I just feel like those guys and it's a difficult thing, and like we always say, you know, you can call a penalty on, on, on every down. But the NFL, the NFL, especially this season, I felt like the referees in so many cases got in the way of a perfectly good game. Uh, it's just, it's just infuriating. For for me, the NFL, it's the inconsistency in game, where you know I, I mentioned before the NHL is like game managers, like okay, they're calling a tight game, they're calling a loose game. The NFL and you have, will be same, like, you have that same thing in baseball. You're yeah, calling a tight strike zone. Base- yeah, exactly. The NFL will be like, okay, they're calling a tight game. And it's like, well, how wasn't that a penalty? So, Or they're calling a loose game, and then all of a sudden there's a 50-yard pass interference on a ticky-tack play. An and NFL ref, I'm not sure if he's a ref or a, a, an umpire or a line judge, or whatever, I'm not even going to make the distinction, but works in my office. Really? Huh. Five days a week. I mean, he's not staying sharp <laughs> refereeing <laughs> NFL games uh, have you right ever, now. Have you ever caught him watching replay like of games <laughs> when he was supposed to be working? Did you ever no. have to yell at the ref to stop doing his homework? No, 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 no. He doesn't work for me. He oh, just okay. works, he just works in, in your company. building. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, so, hey, let's end our Flyers coverage on a happy note. Gritty, obviously, voted – NHL mascot of the year. Woohoo at 69.4%. So it was Gritty <laughs> got 69.4 and everybody else got like that's an overwhelming majority. That's crazy. So oh, it really is. Who finished second? Do we know this? Uh I believe it was the Toronto Maple Leafs um Carlton the Bear. And I'm giving myself a pat on the back for knowing what the that's hell incredible. Carlton the because I would have been like Sid the syrup slurping. Yeah, first off, Sissy. it's agreed with that know. it wasn't even more than that. 
Um, but <laughs> here's my question. What do we think is the over-under for how many consecutive years Gritty will be mascot of the year? Because I don't see this being close. I don't see it getting close anytime soon. You and don't, we don't potentially the- have the two best mascots in professional sports currently residing in Philadelphia. And it's amazing because, you know, Gritty, you know, kind of, you know, it was kind of a, a just it just caught fire. Like literally he became a cult, a pop culture phenomenon. So even if his popularity was to kind of cool off, he's got 69 percent of the vote. He's he could go on a a a a, a dynasty esque run of like four years or five years. It's amazing when you go back to when he was unveiled, the real distaste that everyone had surrounding Gritty immediately. Yeah. And and I was one of those for, I, I want to say for about half an hour, where I was just like, what the hell is this? And then I really did come around a bit, then a little bit more. Then within an hour and a half, two hours, I really like Gritty. And by the end of the day, I was in love with Gritty. So <laughs> do you think it's his aesthetic or do you think it's his sense of humor that is really kind it's of made? It's of humor to me. I mean, oh, it's yeah. both. It's both for sure. Like, I like the, like, sort of demonic look of Gritty. Um, but it's the sense of humor that's that's killing The it. kind of, like, beer swigging, like, literally not caring like about consequences kind of attitude that gritty has just he makes him so not just a cookie cutter stupid uh lizard king or whatever it's they the, have it's in... the antagonistic attitude of the fanatic with a sharper edge to it mm-hmm. uh like a hockey skate <laughs> <laughs> and, and a little bit of chaos and the the fact that they're in on the joke but they don't overplay it there hasn't been a real gritty misstep and then the basic you know mascot stuff he's good at he's a good mascot and then there's this other you know intangible you know level of chaos so i think gritty's here to stay um and yeah i i can't think of any city that comes close to philadelphia with the top two mascots Best two mascots by far. Yes, we win the mascot championship. When is our parade? <laughs> um, Phillies. The Mike Troutless Phillies. For the next 13 years. Mike Trout. What do you think? I didn't think he was ever coming here. I, I never thought there was you, any. You really pop- have driven that possible that way that there was any way he was going to ever become a free agent because if you're anaheim you have to know that if he goes to to the market yeah he's probably going to philadelphia i, I, I don't know we, do, do we need to go back to the tapes gene or have you always been a mike trout's not coming here maybe not always you swayed a little bit i was kind of yeah there was a guy named bryce harper that may have gotten <laughs> in my head well no i i think um and i'm hopping on this too i think i was also on the boat of he's never coming here. Also, I think Dave, you might have played a bit of devil's advocate, but then relented. Yeah, he's not coming here. I think Potadelphia <laughs> has officially always okay, been. Okay, all right, Mike I don't Trout's remember. Not coming here, and it was never a that so that Mike Trout doesn't want to come here. That was never our position. 
It's always oh, been... Oh, it's my position. Your position is that he was never... Like, he didn't want to. My position yes. is that there was no way that anybody would let him. Like, there was no, no way that guy was no. ever going to be a free agent. No. What? He's... Was he, there's no free will. If Mike Trout wanted to be a Philly and he said, look, it's my life's mission to be a Philadelphia Philly, he would be here. He would have been here already, to be honest. I mean, he already signed one contract extension. He could have said, no, I'm not. I'm just going to play. I'm, I'm going to wait for free agency and I'm going to go to Philly. He, he does not want to play in Philadelphia. And like what? So first off, you get this whole population of people who – uh, basically say that Villanova is not a Philly school, but say Mike Trout is our favorite son. <laughs> Philadelphia, he's basically from Philadelphia. It means all but from Philadelphia. They, like, they talk, is nowhere near Philadelphia. They talk about him like he was the virgin birth in Frankfurt. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now you have a, a second candidate for uh, for episode title today, but I mean seriously, like what? It, it, so you have to you have to reconcile this with yourself. Are you okay with Mike Trout not wanting to play with Philadelphia? Do you still embrace Mike Trout, or you got some kind of beef with Mike Trout now because you feel like he has? squandered an opportunity to play in Philadelphia. Well, I so don't want him hanging out with not okay with. I don't want him hanging out with Carson Wentz anymore cuz I don't want that bad juju in that guy's head. Well, they're building like side-by-side houses in Wildwood. Carson Wentz and Mike Trout? Yes. How is this not a reality television series then, frankly? It sounds like the odd couple. It's like that old like build a shore house game. Like who do you want to who do you want to uh have a shore house with? And <laughs> is is Bryce Harper like the friend that shows up like, "Hey guys, time to party." I, I don't know. Maybe. Why not? He's the situation, does Mike, right? Does Bryce Harper hunt? I don't think he hunts. No. <laughs> Bryce Harper with a gun kind of makes me nervous. No. <laughs> or but, a bow and arrow. Uh, well, but here's my thing, and and it's been my contention for a while that you know he can have the best of both worlds and go off, you know, play in Anaheim, you know, when they accomplish something, when they make the postseason, get a little bit of notoriety be a big name to baseball people and then come home as a conquering hero but not have to play here and i won't begrudge that of anybody to separate you know home life and and business it would be like someone going why don't you want to work with your brother you know oh do you think your brother would be bad at his job oh no i think my brother would be great at his job do you not get along with your brother? No, I get along great with him. Why don't you want to work with him? Because I don't want to ruin that. You know, right. it could just be that. He could love Philly. He could think it works well on paper, but you know, how awful would it be to have three bad years to start a a 13-year contract and dread showing up in your hometown, which it's not his hometown, but like we established, <laughs> but his home baseball team. Here's the here's my other here's my I guess maybe the the crux of the uh, issue for me because this is the thing that kind of I get people saying like you know you know sad that Bryce Harper or uh, that Mike Trout's are going to be here but like honestly like it was two years from now anyway like it was not a real thing like there was not any kind of ne- negotiations that he turned down 
And, and Dave, you're probably right. Maybe he didn't want to be here. And I think for absolutely all the reasons that Chuck said, why, like, what possibly good could have come out of that? Other than if you have the, this real desire to bring a championship to Philadelphia. But I think he well, also... I mean, you'd basically have one of the most legendary outfields in the history of baseball. But, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, to me, to a certain degree, he'd have to take a pay cut to do that. Um, and I don't know that, that that's the in the best interest of him as as uh, him as an individual uh, entity and athlete and a pay brand. Pay cut to what? A pay cut to what? Do you think that the Phillies were? I mean, do you think the Phillies were going to pony up in two years the same contract he got from the Angels? Now, do you think they would have paid him that same amount of money? Probably. No, no, no. Uh, the same contract? No, no, no. I well, first off, the contract that he got enrolls the two years that he already had on his existing contract. So right. to say it's a 13 year deal. It's really right. not. It's an right. 11. It's an 11 year deal. But I mean, what, like what are you going to convince uh, Joe, the electrician that you were squabbling over $5 million a year is uh is a big deal. To... I, I, no. And I don't, and I don't actually begrudge Mike Trout. Cause I don't really think that it, it's about money to him. I think that to a certain degree, like this is just what is required to, Matt to like have his services on your team like his value is what his value is like that's it's just the way the market is played out right now and by the time his free agency may come up somebody's going to pass his contract probably in two years I I, I would think but here's, here's yeah, the yeah I don't know I don't it's going to be close be, but... It's, but here's the real question game one of the Eagle season Mike Trout shows up in his season tickets and he's he's at the game is the crowd going to boo? Well, I don't know that we like. Do we cheer or boo people in the stands? I mean, is that we, does he get announced at the game? I don't know if he gets announced, but I, I feel like you know, Deshaun Jackson scores a touchdown on a fifty-yard bomb to uh, from Carson Wentz. Deshaun runs over and hands the ball to Mike Trout. Yeah, that goes up on the big screen at the link. Do you think that people boo? Yeah, probably. There's probably some <laughs> portion of the, of the of the crowd that will be. But, like, whatever. Like, Mike Trout is now uh, – he's not LeBron-level excommunicated from the Church of Dave, but <laughs> I, I just don't – like, the whole uh, – I don't know. Like, and, and this is the Harper effect did this for me because I then I started to open myself to the possibility of, well, if he does really want to come here, this could be a real thing. Um, and not that he got my hopes up and now they're dashed, but maybe a little bit of that. So, you know, if I have any ill will towards Mike Trout, it's basically Bryce Harper's fault, um, <laughs> yeah. which is fine. It's fine. But he's irrelevant to me. I honestly I think Mike Trout is like super boring, like outside of his play on the field. It's boring, a boring move to resign with the angels like it is a boring move to resign with that's the angels boring there's no you're not going to make the playoffs this year you're not going to make it next year there's i don't know what the financial situation of the los angeles angels of anaheim california united states of america earth <laughs> situation is out there but you know, I don't see them being relevant anytime soon outside of Mike Trout and I never get to see him on TV anyway cuz he's on at like 3 o'clock in the morning and <laughs> It's just whatever. It's whatever. He might as well play on the moon because he's never in the playoffs. He's just whatever. And and real quick, I'm never enrolling in the Church of Dave, man. <laughs> that that pope rules with an iron fist. Like you one week, out. like 
Yeah, one week you are nearly beatified. Like, like <laughs> Dave is making up the candles for Mike Trout, like the cell, and then it's like he's gone excommunicated. There is nothing in between. Don't you pray that altar saint. anymore. <laughs> you are saint or out of the church. <laughs> That's it. That's it, baby. Um, have either of you guys played Fortnite? I actually Once. haven't. I have never. Gene, have. You have never played Fortnite. I've never played Fortnite, and not because I don't think it would be fun. I know I have an addictive personality, and I'm afraid that like my life and uh, health may suffer from addiction of Fortnite. And when you say addictive personality, it's not just people always want to be around you. <laughs> no, it's that, not... that I find okay. things that I get too obsessed with, and then don't leave them alone. <laughs> and Chuck, you played it once. I did, and it was. The most stereotypical, pathetic uncle playing with his nephews of, okay, Uncle Chuck, you can pick up that. I built something? Like, (laughs) I just got slaughtered, like, barely knowing the controls, didn't know what happened. It did seem fun, but... Did you do any of the dances, Chuck? What's what? Did you do any of the dances? No. Do you have to win to do the dances? I think so. I, I have no idea, but I do know of all of the Fortnite dances because my son can do probably most of them. And I had a similar experience as you, Chuck, playing with my nephews. And uh, they let me – I parachuted into the, uh, the arena. I immediately attacked the first person I saw, which was my teammate. Uh, <laughs> and, and all the children yelled at me. Uh, and then that person proceeded to kill me and stand over my dead body and do the uh, doing doing a, 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 a an orange justice dance or something. <laughs> um, and I play a lot of video games anyway. Whatever. Um, so this thing that came out, the Phil, Carlos Santana, the Phil, all right, Phil, unnamed <laughs> Phillies, unnamed Phillies are playing Fortnite during a fucking game. I'm in pretty sure August. we can figure out who it is though. Yeah, it was Nick Williams. and carlos santana is so pissed about this he takes a bat and smashes the tv which immediately made me try and draft carlos santana on my fantasy team just so you know which i'm also surprised he didn't just stand by the tv holding the bat hoping for a walk (laughs) (laughs) but but i I'm team Carlos Santana there. I Oh yeah. Like we talked about it. We talked about it in that, you know, August swoon of the team looks like they don't care and then to get proof that they don't <laughs> that care, they didn't man. Care. They you li- pieces of shit. You pieces of shit. You're in a goddamn pennant race. Oh my god. I would uh, honestly like I need to we need to write a letter to uh, Carlos Santana <laughs> thank him for his passion. I I oh my god. I'm this makes me so pissed off. Let me find out this was Reese Hoskins. It wasn't. Oh. There's no way it was. Right? Like 0% like 0.00% chance it's Reese Hoskins. Just there's just no I hope way. it was Alfaro to be honest. It's it's yeah, it's it's a bunch of guys that there's a reason why literally half of this lineup had to be turned over. Literally half of this lineup had to be turned over. All right. Well, I, but what's it say about Gabe? What's it say about Gabe Kapler? If, it, it, nothing if, that we didn't already know. Nothing that we didn't already know. He has no control of the clubhouse. The inmates run the asylum. All he's doing is standing by a computer and regurgitating the information. I'm 100% convinced of it. He has to go. I'm done with Gabe Kapler. He, he endorses, uh, you know, uh, women being abused by his players. 
uh, maybe I'm taking that a little too far, but he's not willing to report it to the police. He's a liability. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's got no control. He shouldn't be leading men. Hard to say you're wrong. I, I mean, it's the the whole thing, you know, uh, God, who was he with uh, when that happened? It was the California team with the Dodgers. He's yeah. with the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah that, that whole freaking debacle. That's that's one level of seriousness. But it, it's your first year as manager, man. Your team was in first place in the division. And to be so removed from things like and I'm projecting here, but like to be so analytical to go, well, hey, if it relaxes them during the game and, you know, there's no reason. Is that what he said? No, no, I'm making this. Oh, oh, okay. (laughs) But Chuck's doing his skate capital impersonation. I'm like ready to fight someone right now. But but to let it happen, there has to be some reasoning. And I assume the reasoning is that, oh, an at bats and at bat. What's it matter? What they do to relax in between it? Uh, that that's my assumption. I wouldn't he, be surprised. He's that when you were growing up, you we all had that friend whose whose mom or dad was trying to be more of their friend than um than than their yeah. their their parent. Yeah, you know, you cool would go mom. you would go over their house and they when you were twelve and the mom would be like, hey. Uh, can you just run to the store and uh, get me some cigarettes? I'll let you drive. Mom, I'm 12. It's okay. You're only going to the store. You're my friend. Like, these are the kinds of people that make these sorts of decisions. Uh, you know, they're, they're the kind of, of moms that let you drink in the second grade. Uh, you well, know, the- wh- you guys you guys played Little League, right? Yeah. <laughs> people letting their kids drink in the second grade. Um, you You support your teammate when they're out on the field playing, okay? It's like rule yeah, number it, one, even for the shitty kids that only look, get to play in right field. Yeah, you don't have to be on the top step of the dugout like it's game seven of the NLCS or anything, but at least be present in the game. It's three. You work for three goddamn hours a day, okay? I'll trade with you. I'll sit in the dugout and do nothing and just watch a baseball game for three hours. You could punch my nine to five. You get to watch a major league baseball game every night. Like that should be enough. Fortnite, the game is shit anyway. It's a terrible <laughs> video game. Just like just in a vacuum, just talking about video games, it's a terrible video game. Play Mario Kart. I'd have more respect for that. So do you think Bryce Harper is going to let that kind of stuff happen because at this point Hell I'm no, I'm convinced man. that he's basically no. managing this team. <laughs> Hell no. (laughs) All right. So this is our last episode before the start of the season. What are our predictions? What's your, what, give me your like overall win, win total prediction. And who do you got in the series? Uh, I don't even know. I've been thinking about this all day. I'd say, Phillies at 91 wins. Okay. And in the series... Vegas I'm... has them at 89 and a half, I believe, at this moment. So <laughs> I love the fact that I've been agonizing over that, and I could have just gone <laughs> for freaking line. Um, but <laughs> the, the Phillies at 91 wins, I'd say in the series, I don't, I'm hot on the Astros, and I don't quite know why. 
I'll say Cubs and Astros, and Astros take it. That sounds like a rematch. Huh. Gene, what do you got? Uh, I like the Phillies at 93 wins. Okay. Um, and I have not... I would love to see... This is... Dream scenario would be a rematch of the 09 World Series. Mm. The rate. Uh, the, oh, the 09 World Series. Phillies the 09, Yankees. Phillies Yankees. Hmm. Interesting. I okay, think that there I, has to be a move that happens in midseason to make that happen. But if it does, if we, we get another pitcher, I think I think we we could be good. I think this offense is going to be historic. Well, that's kind of where I'm at with the another pitcher. I, uh, Chuck, I'm with you at 92 wins, but I think it's on the strength of us getting some help at the trade deadline. Um, and as far as World Series, I mean. It really is tough with the, the NL because the, the NL is wide open. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the it, NL it's a little top alone heavy. is wide open. Yeah, it's a little top heavy, but there's some really good teams. And then well, there's some. Well, what I was gonna say is, who who out there blows you away? Like, I think the Phillies have the most potential. Maybe not this year, but in the near future, to be you know the the juggernaut with our offense. But I don't. You got the Dodgers. You got the I Cubs. Mean the, with the Brewers. The Brewers yeah. on the very, Central yeah, last year. Yeah, the Brewers, are, I think, have got a good offense. They've got really good relief pitching, too. Let's do it. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go. The, the We're doing the Ed Wade classic. Phillies, Astros. Oh, <laughs> nice. Ed Wade throws out the first pitch of game one. The beautiful thing about that is it would be kind of a rematch of the 80 NLCS, which is oh, weird yeah. since Astros have switched leagues. All right, let's go to Chuck's penalty box. All right, the penalty box, the one segment of the show you can never forget. Dave, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? All right, I am uh, I'm putting in John Becker, who is a writer uh, for the Mercury News, a paper out of San Jose. Um, he basically writes a, an article about or he's writing an article where Harper explains why he chose the Phillies over the Giants. And like whatever, we don't need to get into it. The last, the last paragraph of this, uh, I'll just go ahead and read. He says, "In the end, Harper probably made the best decision for all concerned." Let's face it: Did we really want to spend the next twelve years hearing Harper constantly refer to the city as San Fran? What the hell is that? <laughs> what is does that, that even kind mean? of like dig at Harper always calling Philadelphia Philly? Um, Which I didn't even notice. <laughs> are San Franciscanians, uh, do they not appreciate people calling San Francisco San Fran? Also, why is the city capitalized? Is that a thing? Well, that's what people in San Francisco, they don't like San Fran. They like the city. Except for the fact that every city is the city. The only one who can get pissy about that is maybe New York. Yes, the city is New York. Yeah. New York is the city, like nationally. I agree. This is so, not the typical I mean, format for a penalty so box. What the hell is that? So who's that a dig at? Is that a dig at Philly? Is that a dig at Bryce Harper? It's, it's not, I don't it's, if it's it. a dig at all, it's not very creative, and it's not very good. So that's that's my penalty box. <laughs> All right, uh, Becker, you're going into the penalty box. Uh, the Ted Danson series was better. You're getting a double minor. 
All right, Gene, do you have a more traditional penalty box for us? And 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 selfishly, it's it's this is mostly coming from the fact that I wanted us to discuss this within the context of the show. So no discussion in the penalty box. A parting, <laughs> on, a, par- a parting shot to my good friend Rob Gronkowski, uh, mostly because you have been terrible to watch from afar in terms of you've made me miserable when you've you've dominated play uh but uh such joy from your inability to catch a ball at the end of the game in the Super Bowl uh in Super Bowl 52 um so i would like to extend to you a few extra moments in the penalty box so that we may roast you on this the occasion of your uh, retirement announcement you know gronk I feel like Gronk did it the right way, though. I mean, he got in. He's 30 years old. He's going to retire now. I don't know. I'm do not, you like, think about him but... in the same way of, like, Barry Sanders? Where Do you feel like Gronk has got a lot left to give? Not really. The dude feels like if he's – when you said he's 30, he is an old 30. There's a lot of miles on those tires. Yeah, well, like, big really dudes like that, you know. <laughs> What's that, Chuck? Is it really his fault? Isn't that this football? He played nine years, and it's like he's incapacitated. Well, some of that was beforehand. <laughs> I don't know. I will miss the whole, uh, like, Gronk, the Gronk caveman sort of thing. Like, Gronk catch ball. I mean, he's got the perfect name for that, like the perfect nickname. And the huge, the, the huge, the Gronk spike is pretty epic. The Gronk spike is pretty epic. He's got the best spike in the history of the NFL, I think. Wow, that's saying that's saying a lot. Give me a better spike. I don't know that I've, I can Don't give say because we know that. The only other one true. I can think of that's like <laughs> iconic in terms of just a straight spike is Walter Payton. Well, what did yeah. Dion do? Didn't Dion do like a slide and then like a? Yeah, he overhand? had kind of, he had kind of an overhand slide when that one's pretty good yeah. too. I always, when I think of the Walter Payton spike, I think of it in Tech Mobile. What's if there's one memory you have of Gronk? maybe outside of him not catching the ball in the Super Bowl. Do you have a, a, a favorite Gronk moment? I don't know. Nah, I don't know. Nah, it, he, he spiked the puck after, you know, the Patriots won one of their Super Bowls at center ice for a Bruins game, and I was really worried he was going to screw up the ice. Wasn't he on Big Brother once? <laughs> yeah, I think Didn't he somebody was. win a he cruise did, or something? He just with showed up, yeah. <laughs> He's also showed up on Shark Tank, which I liked. Yeah, I think you won like a someone won a booze cruise with Gronkowski. With Gronk, yeah. yeah. On, okay. a, on a reality show. I I don't know. So, it, it, a very a very strange career. So farewell, Gronk. I hardly knew ye. Go on and have a great Yeah, in five years you'll be in the Hall of Fame and you'll have a very young looking bust. So there, to answer your question, Chuck, Gene does not have a traditional penalty box. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So, so Gronk, uh, you're getting five minutes of segment time. Uh, five minutes devoted to Gronk discussion. And All right. <laughs> I'll do it again. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Okay. <laughs> in my penalty box, this is inspired. My son is going to be playing T-ball soon. It's going to be his first year. And one of the things we got from the coaches is that T-ball is played with a T-ball bat, and it says T-ball on it. And I oh, couldn't, oh Christ, I couldn't picture what a T-ball bat looked like. I just assumed it was a smaller bat, so I looked it up. And at Dick's Sporting Goods, I saw that they had a wide variety of T-ball bats. 
you know, some costing $20, some costing like freaking $70. But that's not why T-ball bats are going in the penalty box. It's for the distinction between girls' T-ball bats and boys' T-ball bats. Now, you're going to ask, what's the difference of a four-year-old <laughs> between a girl and a boy um, going up to bat and T-ball? And there is none. It's just that they're like pink and purple and blue. Why not just have them be pink, purple, and blue? Like 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 a baby blue, but is like the is the store designating them as boys and girls T ball bats or it's just No, it's the brand. I'm looking at a Adidas Girls Triple Stripe T ball bat. It's a unicorn. Uh, <laughs> not even a unicorn. That one's just like baby blue and purple. Like like if you're into Guardians of the Galaxy, like that one could be for a boy. Um, yeah, like, I mean, just take a look at NBA players' sneakers. And, right. Yeah. Uh, lots know. of lots of dudes like pastels. What can I, you know? Yeah, and my thing is, if you if you're marketing towards girls with quote unquote girly colors, that's fine. But why on earth would you even limit it to saying this is a girl's bat and this is a boy's bat when they're the exact same? bat it's the stupidest <laughs> thing i've seen so uh gendered t-ball bats <laughs> remember t-ball bats gendered t-ball bats you're getting a 10 minute game misconduct for lack of reasoning to exist hey how many ounces do you do a penalty box how many <laughs> how many ounce drop is that t-ball bat by the way no freaking clue <laughs> Is that like a minus a minus eleven or something? Uh, minus twelve. A lot okay. of these look today. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, well, that's our show for today. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you have, uh, please stop over to iTunes and rate and review us. Uh, it really helps other people find the show, and it helps us out immensely. Also, uh, please check us out on all forms of social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search at Podadelphia. If you have some extra time in your podcast listening day, please be sure to check out the whip around for all your weird comedy news. I'll be on again this week. I'll be talking about how disgusting your work office actually is. So that'll be fun. <laughs> Dave, you're such a tease. I know, I know, I know. It's, that's what I do best. Um, all right, but that's it, everybody. Have a great day at work. We'll see you next week.